show up in New Orleans? Mm, 82. In 82. And what was going on then? Why did you, why did you come here? Um, I've been in New York, and before New York, I was in Indiana. In Indiana, I played constantly, and it was music, music, music. That was, you know, music and girls, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the post-college kind of experience. And I got really, I got kind of tired of being in that college town. I went to New York. So then New York became, after six years in New York, or seven, I guess it was, that I was, I, I just was really tired of, like, the scene. Like, I had to be, you know, a kid wearing, that went to Brown who wore black clothes and had been an art major and then picked up a guitar and didn't play it very well, but had interesting ideas, you know, those were, and if you were a musician, you were devout, you were like, Ugh. You know, and there was a few people there. I mean, like the Elliot Sharp and Jeff Lone and Ned Sublatin. That those of us that actually could, at, to whatever level, read music and write it, were suddenly we became slightly useful to in New York. In New York, so, yeah. What year? And was so this? this was like say seventy-five through eighty-two, say. Okay. And so then, by but but I just was getting really bored with the whole. I don't know. It was like it's funny because where I lived by the when I was leaving New York, it where I lived was turning into what's going on in the Bywater now. Yeah, it's the same sort of mass youth, you know, thing. And so, and I I had this vision of New Orleans where I knew some people in New Orleans, and I just thought, for better or for worse, the people in New Orleans are still just playing music, and there was a lot of it. Who had you heard? I mean, who were the people that were driving you to this place? That- well, you know, I had heard Booker a whole bunch, which mm-hmm. I thought was amazing. And then I had heard, you know, I had heard the Nevilles. It was almost like the usual suspects. And, and I heard uh, Long, and, and I had been listening to Professor Long here for quite a while. And I knew things like, uh, like I had Rockin' Sydney, right? You know, these real mm-hmm. obscure Zydeco records. And I really liked the raw shit. And we used to play some of that shit in New York and people actually dig it. Um, and so I just figured, and you know, my wife then was from New Orleans, and so she had had a great gig, and I had had some decent gigs, and then they all were drying up, and it was getting like, you know, we're like, what the fuck, you know, I'm gonna mm-hmm. carry sheetrock in New York, or so I said, I'll sublet the place, go to New York, mm-hmm. I go to New Orleans, so I sublet for three months, three months turned into six months, mm-hmm. six months turned into, you know, and uh, ended up never really going back. I kept the place until '89, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and um, I'm trying to think, who else did I really know in New Orleans at that point? Not hard, not too many people. Well, what was it in the music here that you that that, that that drew you particularly to the music here as opposed to anything else that was going on? Like, I mean, what was it you were hearing? Like, if it was those I think, musicians, when I it? think about it now, I think that like the songwriting stuff like the Lee Dorsey and the, all this stuff that Toussaint was doing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have much of a grip on anything to do with traditional jazz. I mean, I, I love Louis Armstrong, but I didn't even think about him as being in New Orleans. That hadn't really registered that mm-hmm. that was New Orleans. I figured this is, he lived in Queens then. He was like, mm-hmm. he was my neighbor. He wasn't New Orleans. You know? Right. right, right. And, uh, and the, um, so... Of course, he was dead, but aside from that. Um, I think there was just a, 
the whole language just seemed really cool to me. Just the way, and I knew about Mr. Bat. Mm-hmm. And because I'd been, you know, I'd been, I'd had the earlier than that, I'd been in Los Angeles being a monkey boy while they were making a lot of cool records and watching those people. And so you were in L.A. before New York? I was in York? L.A. right out of high school. You know? Out of high school? Yeah. And so is that how the recording thing started? Well, the recording thing started in high school. And how did that come about? Uh, tape recorders. My, I had a friend who had tape recorders and we had heard, you know whatever uh well you know kids in high school even in the 60s could get access to a lot of cool shit and i was in westchester mm-hmm. and so i was around all these the parents were you know novelists and mm-hmm. ran tv stations and howard cosell you know that's mm-hmm. the big joke that you know i got a record deal because howard cosell heard my band at a band battle and was a judge you know so you know if you have uh-huh. if you did it in new orleans that wouldn't mean you know if so, you know, but there, Howard Cosell being one of the dads who would judge a band battle had some pith to it. So anyway, me and this kid uh, whose dad worked for NBC, we started ganging his tape recorders together. So it was, you know, imagine you got five reel-to-reels set up in a room. So it's a reel-to-reel tape. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so you make a you make a recording onto it, uh-huh. and then you unplug those mics and you plug them into the next tape recorder, uh-huh. and you put the speakers up. And then you play it back, and then you get the speakers, and then you do like the baseboard or something. So every time, every time, we, so we were doing this really primitive. We didn't have any. Uh, we're all two-track machines mm-hmm. that we send, and then we we learned about looping. So we started actually doing that. You know the. Uh-huh. And so this is when you were in high school, yeah. and you were, and and where did you learn about looping? Just from, I probably from reading articles. This way, so there were articles that you about, were looking at, yeah. and so this is where you got the idea. And yeah, it was from like it was definitely from. Uh, it was right, you know, same time as Revolver. There was a lot of okay. a lot of people were being aware. Even if you were sixteen, you could be aware of these things. And there were like, and and then I had you know one of the guys that ran Electra Records was lived in that town where I lived, and he also so he brought me in. To the label too, and and I used to get all their records, so they mm. had all this Morton Sabotnik and all that oh, shit. Yeah. So I was aware of crazy shit, uh-huh. and so the looping became like, I'm not sure what the first looping I ever heard was or when anyone did it, but you know it was a funny thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And 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 then the, in terms of the record at that point, I mean, what was going? So there was there was the recording of of music, and then there was. Um, Obviously, those things. Well, let me tell you. Let me ask a question. I mean, uh, you hear a lot. Let's say you're talking about Revolver or something like that. You hear a lot from that time period. Like even the Beatles thought in terms of whether or not it was electronic music, whether or not it was um, to do with electronic music once it was going to tape, or whether right. it was whether it was playing music. And was this your idea? Your those ideas were going through you also, or was well, this? it was that. I mean, it was kind of a joke already. You know, there was always this electronic music valid, and you know, uh-huh. and I, I was like, we're already to that was already. <laughs> what you know really crazy you know of course it's and so you know then but all of these what i was trying to do i was making songs that were very cyclical Mm. and uh you know episodic and so what do you mean by cyclical you know like i'd have one part that would again appear later and then there'd be there'd be three episodes in between and then the uh a dash a point you know version two would show up again slightly different so this is a way of so i was like that's i was thinking like as 
I was more like constructing these little things. I really, I didn't know how to, I couldn't have written a standard and I could barely write a folk song and all that. So I was just, so anyway, these people, they liked this shit and they took me and they said, oh, you know, you're doing this shit with tape recorders. So they heard somebody in LA or New York, in New York, and they signed me up. So they were giving me like money. So suddenly I was a songwriter. So just out of your high school projects with the tapes, how did they hear it? How because of Howard Cosell and all and that. Howard Cosell, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it somehow moved. To, some other people got wearing it. Electra took it and they took these. They heard these tapes and they said, "Holy fucking shit!" And I had twenty songs, you know, on tape that they heard and they were like, "The fuck," you know. And then, then the classic music music biz thing. They sign you up. First thing they do is, "Well, we love what you do, but." Now it's time to learn to write boy girl me you songs okay. like John Phillips. Real and I'm like, shit. <laughs> like what? I'm like, and and I'm really don't know how to do this, and I don't know anything. Right. And it's sort of carried on that way to this day. I still have no idea how I even do this shit, you know. But on the other hand, you know, I got more chops now. But but when but did the, you show up in Indiana? Then did you go from LA? Oh, I was to Indiana? in. I was born in Indiana, but I mean, I but went you're from there. Yeah. And then I, my parents moved all around. So, I mean, I ended up in New York in high school, which was, you know, okay, I guess. I mean, I never, it was a little rough, but, you know. So then, you, but, but you went back to university. I went back yeah. to Indiana, yeah. What did you get out of that? What was that about? What was going back to university? Why did you want to, considering that you were already making some tracks there in right. New York and stuff, and you'd done this stuff in L.A., why did you want to go to I think I was, like, really... I think I've always been so, you know, emotionally unable to deal with a lot of shit that, and they all wanted me to go, you know, go to Harvard or go to this or go to that or University of Pennsylvania. You mean those parents? Things. Well, parents and just in general, in general. just that, you know, when you, everyone's always got, oh, you gotta do this or else, huh. you know, your life will be ruined and all. Huh. And um, so I think by that time when Indiana, I was... I was a runner, you know, so mm-hmm. I was getting all these things. I could get to, you know, these fancy schools because if it was just on my grades, never. But the fact that I was a, you know, close to being all American distance runner, mm-hmm. you know, or or whatever I was, you know, um, they, uh, I could get into all those places. Mm-hmm. And then, but I would have so to really be, on that athletics have to, thing. You I would have to be to college I, on the athletics. Yeah, thing. I know. Yeah, and so I didn't want to do that. So Indiana, <laughs> my parents had gone to Indiana, and I could get an academic scholarship because you know getting six something on your SATs and having your parents go to the place and all that was cool for them. And they didn't then they wouldn't have to use up a scholarship, and it was all groovy. And I'd be like get a free ride to school without doing, you know, that's so I said fuck, I'll go here. Plus the coaches took me to see Doctor Zhivago. I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> I just thought the other coaches were trying to, you know, hand me like a $20 bill and say, go get a hamburger and didn't ask for the change back, you know, the, the uh-huh. recruiting. Yeah, you can live here. You can have a car. You can have, like, Jesus, what do the football players get? You know? So this was in Indiana. Yeah. And so you and went so in Indi- as an athlete. So I went in Indiana. No, I went in. I didn't go as an athlete because they, I didn't have to, but I, I started on the team. But then, you know, like my hair is about as long as yours now, and they tried to get me to cut my hair and all this shit. And uh-huh. I was like, right. fuck this shit. I said, I don't have to listen to you. I'm on a radio. You know, I don't have, I'm not. Right. So then I stopped. And then I, that's when I kind of met, uh, I started meeting all those guys that ended up being, you know, the MX-80 and you know, a lot of the guys around the music school. And uh, 
And is that you know, what drew you into the music school? Was yeah, MX80 and those kind of Well, guys? yeah, and, and, you know, I was interested in the music school, and they were interested in me, except they could not believe that I couldn't read a note of music, nor could I do, you know, you had to play, da, 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 to get into the music, you had to play the Star Spangled Star Banner in two keys, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, I don't even know what a key is. And they're like, what? So how did they? So then, how did you get in? Then I mean, how did you well, because it was the '60s, you know. And then anyway, so that, that's so, the simple yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason. Yeah, yeah. Disorganization, yeah, it like, it's chaos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're talented. There must be some place for you, you know. And so uh-huh. it was like, here, start in the graduate stuff. I mean, so yeah, you know, it was that kind of shit. No, and, and, totally and did you have? Did you learn how to read? Yeah, sort of. But I, you know, you you got yeah. some of those skills yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. So then, what did what in the music school there, I mean, did you feel comfortable? Was there something you were getting out of it, or were you just passing I the time? I don't think I, or? what I got out of it eventually was, I mean, the Zanakis stuff was really good, having him there. The Zanakis was there. was a teacher there at that point, and he, in theory, Zanakis, if you look at it, will say he only had one student, Yuji Takahashi, who was at that point his assistant. And, uh, but Zanakis had, there was, plenty of us who interacted with him and that whole thing with having a teacher is you know the shit you learn outside of the class often is way more valid than the stuff had, in the class had you known his music before you started taking uh, lessons yeah with him? actually you did yeah. and what was what did, what did you think of that music when you heard I thought it? it was great you know and uh-huh. I only wanted to go out with girls that would listen to that kind of music with you know I didn't so know. let me ask a question <laughs> so in terms of like not to make a differentiation but I want to know the relationship your affection for Zanakis to the sounds that Zanakis made and the sounds that say when you showed up when we were interested in New Orleans music uh-huh. what's the relationship here uh, very little, really. Very little. Uh-huh. Other than, I mean, I just tend to be, you know, musically omnivorous or yeah. whatever that, whatever that's that the going slogan these is. days. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Music. I read it. I read it. It's like uh, a Facebook drop now. I'm musically. I'm a musical omnivore. Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. Maybe I maybe I was there early. You, you know? were there early. <laughs> so, so so I didn't really. I mean, the thing is, that was what it was put it in a perspective of. That's what pissed me off about New York. Say that New York was so. It had twenty little myopic scenes, and I was sort of interested in all of them, but none of them were interested in each other. Yeah. And they acted like they wanted to invalidate one another, and, all, and I was like, "What's wrong with these what people?" This, yeah. You know. What so was Zanakis' New- take? What did Zanakis think about, about American stuff and those scenes and what was going on Zanakis in music? had a similar view to John Cage, say, about jazz. He said, look, you want to have a conversation, talk. Uh-huh. You want to organize sound, organize sound. I Don't see. try to mix them up. And how did you feel? I was like, I, I still, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, to 40 years later, I can still listen to Charlie Parker. It sounds good to me. I don't want to play it. Right. And that was so I would draw the line as I don't have to do that again, nor does anyone else. We should expand the language or not. Or we can go back and examine things. Um, in the long but, run, what do you think, feel like you got out of Zanakis? Anything that you were able to apply later on? Uh, just oh, totally that the way he'd like think of music coming out of speakers, the way he liked to use equalizers to. Like he'd take the sound, he'd record a, like fire. And then what you noticed in a lot of natural sounds is like 
depending on what you like really crank up, it becomes another element. It becomes another thing. And it'll sound, fire can sound like 10 different instruments depending on how, because it's all in, you know, again, it's, you know, it's not pretty cosmic, but it's, there's so much stuff going on in that complexity of a, uh-huh. of just a bunch of wood burning. And I found that to be really interesting that what I learned from him that really helped forever was that as Wes calls it, my ability to make something out of nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. with when, you know, mixing records and stuff. And so understand beyond Wes is beyond, one of your engineers. Yeah. Here, right? Beyond timbre and orchestration that there is this other thing, you know, mm-hmm. what's that stuff? What's the fifth sense that they have in Japan? The, for tasting, I can't, you know, it's, it's nuclear now. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, it, you know, it's sort of like that there was something beyond and, you know, but what tied say New Orleans to Zanakis, I think was rhythms. Zanakis was very interested in rhythms and he loved African stuff and he loved the history, the ancient African stuff and he loved hockets and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, but Zanakis, I learned density, density and intensity being, having trumping harmony and melody mm-hmm. in, and, and for pop music it's that's really the where it's at mm-hmm. in a lot of respects as far as uh and although so Zanakis loved the mc5 but he didn't like uh when i took him to see um art ensemble he loved the random percussion where they did half an hour of all this and then once they started playing sort of this more jazzy he was just like he didn't like that man. Yeah. Uh, 